What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a special Face Cake Friends episode of Coffee Regular Podcast. Today, we have Elizabeth Cardelio, owner of Cafe Unimatic and Brave Conversations Over Coffee. Um, hopefully, you have seen her in the Netflix documentary Coffee for All. Um, the reason we got an intro today is because we had a little bit of technical difficulties here and there, though the wind sort of blew down the internet. Um, so there may be some jumps, there may be a bit of conversation connection that might not make sense if you didn't get the, uh, the mid part that got cut out because of, uh, you know, bad reception. <laughs> so just to let you know what's happening. But thanks for tuning in and uh, keep coffee regular, everybody. Hi, how are you? Hi, good, thank you. How are you? I thought I did this wrong. No, we're on it. We're live. How are you? Sweet. Good, thank you. How about you? Great. Tremendous. And I'm here. Good. I was just uh, making some coffee. Yeah, we're both here. <laughs> I love cool. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're learning how to use the Unimatic. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm having mine right now, too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um... I'm Mike. He's Mike, and I love this. talk to Mike for a second because yes. I gotta I gotta make some coffee. I'll be right back. <laughs> cool. Okay, Mike. Bye, Mike. Yes. Hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> We're both Mike, so it's hard to find. But how are you doing today? I love. I'm good. We are in the middle of our busiest week of the year. Um, and so I'm just exhausted and also like there's burlap all over yeah. me, but you saw how the Udomatic is packaged. Um, so there's burlap all over me and I smell like coffee and I'm in New York right now and I'm trying to get on a flight at like four, like 5 PM to go back to Florida. Like it's just, and I was supposed to leave yesterday. It's just a manic week, It's mayhem, <laughs> but all good. So good. It's mayhem, but being covered in burlap yes. and coffee, that's pretty good. It's <laughs> a good way to spend your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the, that TV show, Dirty Jobs. I'm essentially the opposite. I come yeah. home smelling like coffee, not like, I don't know, oil or gas or whatever. Right, right. You smell delicious doesn't, instead. Doesn't That's suck. fine. Instead of mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. <laughs> How uh, are well, you guys? The coffee is perking right now. So Good. Uh, good, good. Yeah, I'm yeah. great. <clears throat> it's a very windy, dreary day in Ohio, so... Remind yeah, me what part of Ohio? Windier. Oh. Central, right in the middle. Columbus. So, oh, that's kind of far. I'm so my mom grew up in Youngstown, um, but I think that's kind of far from me. Oh, yeah, right. Not super far. Not as far yes. as you think. Uh, Youngstown's a bit south. Um, yeah, okay. I'm actually from Athens, which is southeast Ohio, about forty-five minutes from West Virginia. And Youngstown uh, is kind okay. of in between. That is, yeah, it's not too far away. Hmm. I see, I see. Yeah, Ohio's I've been to tiny. Ohio many times. <laughs> I uh, mean, I guess in comparison to other things, <clears throat> yes. Mm. Oh, it's a square, so it's easy to get everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can reach everywhere in like two hours, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, we don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just in New Jersey last month and for a tournament. So I was trying to get into the city for a little bit, but then I ran out of time. But next time. That happens. Yeah. I mean, whether New York or like we drove from Florida up north this summer and like Florida is just, like when you're driving from we're not even south. We're like in the middle of the state. And it's like, you know, five hours to get to the next state. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this state is Massive, huge. yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. But uh, That was about the same as like driving across Pennsylvania for six and a half, seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. come on, change already. I remember driving to Ohio. This is like, I mean, this is childhood. But I remember driving to Ohio. It must have been around Christmas time or I don't remember. Um, but we would stop, I think, in... I think in Pennsylvania. Um, and there was this one place we stopped and I, I don't even know, it must've been springtime, but we stopped at this like picnic area and there were caterpillars that were like falling from the trees. And I thought it was the coolest place in the world. So I then forever loved Pennsylvania and they had to break it to me that like, that's not Pennsylvania. That's just 
there were just a lot of cannibals. There. <laughs> that was just that was just it was so funny. Um, well, that's Pennsylvania in your head forever, though. Uh, yes. actually, I grew up in West. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, so. Oh, I, nice. Um, yeah, I moved to Athens when I was fifteen. So, yeah, there are there are places in Pennsylvania I've never been to because it's such a huge state. Like, yeah. 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 I <clears throat> so you're obviously quite the world traveler. Um, <laughs> where <laughs> would you say that you've been recent? Like, where's the where have you been recently? That's been your favorite. Um, I mean, so, so we were actually traveling a ton, a, a ton, not even because we planned on it. Um, so recently I was in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Baltimore, New York, Sedona, Arizona, Austin, Texas, and then of course, Florida. Um, I, I mean, I haven't left the country in now a couple of years, um, I think my favorite place is Montana just because yeah. it's, I just, there's something about the land. There's a ranch that um, I've been going to for years and it's just like the people, the community, the horses, like it's just a magical place. And it's, it's one of those places that's been around for, I don't know, like four decades or like a century or four centuries or something ridiculous. Um, or four generations. That's it. And mm -hmm. everything was built by the hands of the humans that lived there and it's two families um and it's it's just magical like you kind of step back in time like you wake up a bell rings you go for breakfast then you go for a three or so hour horse ride then you come back and go for lunch then you go tubing or skeet shooting or both and then there's you know drinks on the porch and then dinner and then a softball game and then a campfire like every day it's just it's the just best like, all of the time. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I would I would say Montana, I think. Okay. I mean, I, I actually That's really cool. love Florida. Like I now yeah. live in sort of the downtown area of the beach where my grandparents retired. And St. Petersburg was my like, grandma's house was my favorite place on earth when I was a kid. Um, and now it's wild that I actually live there and and like I look up and there are palm trees shit like covered in candy cane lights. It's just it's, it's so sweet. So probably those two. Yeah. Oh well, I have a banana tree forest in my well, my old backyard. I'm about to replant it in a new one. So Do you really? Oh, yeah. Um at the what old, does I just that moved, even mean? Okay. I'll have to I'll I'll post I've posted pictures on Instagram before. I'll have to post an old one. Oh, of um, yeah. my family grows banana trees. It's like a thing we do. My grandpa experimented with it years ago. Stop. He lived in Indianapolis, Indiana at the time. And he's like, I figured out how to get them to grow here. Da, da, da. And so he, he got took some babies and what? gave them to his kids. So my mom <gasps> got one. My mom plants one in Athens. Now, it, it um, was in the perfect spot. Athens is actually pretty warm. And it was protected. And the roots busted into a sewer line. So it got to be like 30-some feet tall and have like a giant yeah. trunk on it. And had billions of babies. And so she gave me one when I got married. And I happened to plant it in, like, by accident, perfect spot. And, um, yeah, uh, by the time I moved, it would I would chop it down in the wintertime. But then in the summer, it got to be 20 feet tall. And oh about my God. 14 trees. So if you need a little piece of Florida, I got gotcha. you. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> What? It's quite the protocol for keeping them alive during winter and everything. So <laughs> yeah, my banana has to move into oh. her winter condo. And uh... <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy! There's something that is just so amazing and wild and wonderful about growing things. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I feel like the past—I would even say decade—like I haven't been in one place long enough to do that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But I'm just always in awe of it and like kind of can't wait for the time when I can, you know, not kill things because I left for too long. <laughs> You're still in your nomad phase. You ever seen a movie, Leon, The Professional? No. Uh, all right. It's an old um, Jean Renault, Jean Renault, and actually one of Natalie Portman's first movies when she was like 12. But oh, okay, yeah. so he's an assassin and he moves around a lot, but he has a plant. He has one house plant that he just takes care of and brings with him everywhere and takes like meticulous. Oh. <laughs> That's really like funny. Leon. I could be like Leon. 
I mean, I'll probably prioritize taking keeping my dog alive. <laughs> oh, there you go. That one. that's a better um, better place I, to start. I actually I actually find that that living things that are like animal of animal or human nature are probably easier to keep alive than plants because plants don't tell you <laughs> when they need things and and creatures do. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, they're a little more insistent. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Anyway, I've always joked that my my thumb is not green; it's purple and polka dot, and I I can't seem to like all the plants that I have right now are fake, and they look real, but they're not. They just I need to feel like it's greenery. So I'm I'm excited for the day when house plants can actually have a chance with me. You just gotta fake it till you make it. It's okay. Yes, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yes, yes. <laughs> all right. So we were drinking some of the San Pietro. Yeah, the brunetta. You are. You're drinking yep. brunetta. Ooh. Is that your favorite? Uh, it's the only one I've tried. We've tried. We it is. Oh, right. Okay. So, well, I mean, it's my it favorite. Is. It's so mm, good. It's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> now, the first time we had it, didn't you say this has become your new favorite fall coffee? Yes. Yes. <gasps> the These types of flavors, like this is what I want in the fall and the winter and stuff like that. So this is kind of like the perfect blend for me. Oh, I love it. I'm honored. I mean, you know your coffee, so that is that is a big statement. I, it's not lost on me. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, of course, like the story behind it, too, is kind of what drew us in, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't understand the, the gravity behind everything until Mike kind of filled me in, and then I got kind of digging into the, the background of it. So can you go in a little bit to the background of the pot and the coffee and all that stuff for some of our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So, um, oh my gosh. I mean, the Unimatic was on my table since I was a little kid and it's the only way that I knew how to make coffee. I mean, I was in college and someone handed me a filter and I was like, what is this? What, what would you like <laughs> me to do with this? And they were like, okay, weirdo, like you weird Italian freak. Um, and and it's funny, I have memories of, you know, like I must have been, I don't know, 10, 13, like the the age where you just really want to be cool. And I had yep. friends over. And when I would have friends over, we'd all sit down to eat together, obviously. Um, and before, like before we'd be allowed to have, I don't know, dessert or cookies or ice cream or whatever it was, we would, I mean, they'd make coffee as Italians do. And my dad would go into, we would not be allowed to have our dessert until my dad told my 10 year old girlfriends how this coffee pot worked. And he would go into explicit <laughs> detail about the heating stone and using the laws of nature and like why it's so important and how it works. And I would want to crawl beneath the table and die because I was like, can we just, nobody cares. Nobody cares. We just, we just want dessert. We're 10, we're 10 dude. Um, and it's funny, but hearing it that many times, I, who knew that it would serve me well? So I, the actual story, um, my dad came from Italy when he was about 12, um, didn't speak any English. His dad was here. Um, he left his mom in Italy and just kind of always was always starting things. He just, he was the quintessential entrepreneur before that word existed when it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur, when it was cool to have, you know, a job for 35 years at a very stable company. He was not that he was exactly none of that. Um, and, you know, he had a cosmetic company, a cookware company. Um, he just, he tried like everything. Um, and the cookware company was actually his favorite. Um, it was, it was the biggest thing he did. It was, it, it was his heart for a long time. I mean, he, he found this, this cookware, like this way of making cookware that actually retained the nutrients in food. And he, he would distribute it both here and in Italy. So he was in Italy all the time and he had salesmen there and it like, it was his favorite thing. Um, and because of that, he ended up kind of accumulating like all, all different kinds of things for the kitchen because people would come to him for cookware and then be like, all right, what else do you have? So it was like China crystal silverware. And because he was Italian, he needed a coffee pot. And this was like the fifties and sixties and the percolator was the thing that was popular at the time The you know, the thing that the only way to make coffee that when you come downstairs, it smells like coffee, like nothing else makes your whole house smell like coffee. Um, mm -hmm. But there were so many problems with the percolator. Like if you didn't watch it and like stand there, it could start to perk before you knew and before you set the timer. So it could perk for too long 
and the coffee would be mud or if, you know, if it didn't park for long mm -hmm. enough, it would be too weak. And, you know, if you hit the nail on the head, it was good. Um, yep. But most often you didn't. <laughs> um, right. And so he essentially combined the technology of the percolator and the way that his mom's stove back in Southern Italy worked. And this is now like, you know, turn of the century, late 1800s, early, like, I mean, he was born in 1932. So like she's had the stove long before he was a twinkle in her eye. Um, and, and he combined the way both of them worked. And it, I mean, those stoves were like f actual fire. And then there was, you know, an iron, like a coil that rotate that like absorbed the heat that then heated the pot that went on top of it. Um, and so that's where he got like the, I'll call it the technology of the heating element and the heat transfer. And, you know, the, then he changed the little glass knob on top that everyone knows with, with the percolator. He actually made it a valve mm -hmm. so you can open it and close it. And I mean, you guys know how to use it. Um, but he made it a self-timed percolator that you couldn't really mess up. Um, and it would always make a consistent cup of coffee. You didn't have to worry. So he essentially helped create this thing. Um, he was not an inventor. He employed an inventor. They were very good friends. They nearly blew up the office a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> and I mean, my dad could not draw a straight line with a ruler. Um, so he essentially helped create it, patented it, um, and then marketed it. And it was a hit and people loved it. And he, But he was that Italian that kind of went from this thing to that thing and was like, hold on, I'll be right back. And, you know, went to go start something else. Um, and, you know, did a bunch of things and, you know, fast forward a ton. I came along, you know, he owned a restaurant at that point. Um, and when I lost him, we, I mean, we had always talked about starting a business together and we'd started a bunch of things, but nothing that I ever woke up thinking about for lack of a better way to say it. And so I think he was always kind of upset that like everything was, you know, fun and good, but like I would only do it when he asked me about it. It wouldn't, it didn't drive me. Um, and, mm -hmm. and maybe I was just immature, who knows. Um, but after losing him, I very quickly became, you know, the dad and husband in the family and the daughter. And so I was, you know, it was my task to like, how to pay mom's mortgage, unwind his businesses, clean out his office. Like mm -hmm. I just, I mean, he, he trained me to be him. Like our conversations over coffee when I was a kid were ideas, ideas turning into businesses, small businesses turning into like, and here's how you make it national. And here's how you do that. Like we would sit at the table for hours. Um, and my, the running joke in our house is that my mom would go upstairs after breakfast get dressed, do stuff, come down, do other. And she'd be like, guys, it's time for lunch. And you're still sitting here. <laughs> and, but that like, that was our relationship. That's what we did. Like I had, he made me business cards when I was six and I'd walk around on my and business cards and think I was, you know, think I was great. Um, and so this felt like, well, when I was getting out of his office, there was sort of this door and this is a building in Brooklyn, you know, part of it was an office and part of it, I don't know, was like the garage that you drive into. Um, and there was a door that he always called the inventory closet. And so I was like, okay, one thing, I don't know if you know Italians, but one thing that he, at least he did, um, but I, I have this vision of like Italians of that era. Anytime he incorporated a business, first thing he would do would be to get stationary. <laughs> so we have boxes of stationary of like, all of these wild companies and it's like dude what like what are you what were you doing but like i mean that was <laughs> you know that was that's what made it official back then um so yeah. so so in this closet i expected to find you know stationary a couple pots of pans maybe a unimatic or two and like i knew he had you know a couple extra boxes of stuff but i just who you know i didn't care um and so I opened this door to this closet and I was met with a wall of boxes of the Unimatic. I was like, oh, okay, like, cool. I mean, I was 26 years old. Some of my friends were starting to get married. So my first thought was like, great, wedding presents for a year. Great, throw them in the car, what's next? <laughs> and I started moving boxes and moving boxes and moving boxes. And I would joke that like, thank God for CrossFit because I would have hurt myself if I didn't know how to move these boxes. Um, <laughs> 
And so, I mean, after a couple of hours, it was like, okay, joke's over. Where are the walls? I thought this was like a four by four closet kind of a thing. And right. turns out it wasn't the door to a closet at all. It was a door to a warehouse. And That's I mean, this place, like, <laughs> the place that I was cleaning out took six months to clean out, like a wheelbarrow full of nails, wow. an old car, crystals from a chandelier, like checks in the desks from the 1960s. Like everybody got up one day and just like never came back. It was wild. Wow. And so, I mean, it was cool to like walk through his life in that way. I mean, it was, it, it was weirdly sure. great for grieving. Um, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like it was like, mm, yeah, oh, totally. Like, I don't know what the 60s smelled like, but I'm pretty sure this is what the 60s smelled like. Um, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing ever. Um, and so, and so I realized, okay, this is the door to a, a warehouse, not a closet. And there were about 5,000 of these coffee pots just ready-made from Italy, just sitting there waiting to find new homes. And this is one of the first times in my life that I like, I don't want to say my life flashed before my eyes, but like all I feel like I saw was every single moment that he and I spent at the table together and how those conversations, those conversations about like what drives humans, motivation, communication, leadership, like entrepreneurship, like that, like how to, how to retain your mindset. Like those conversations were what gave me my confidence, my resilience, like they were the things that made me know that more was possible. And they were the things that saved me from going crazy after losing him and having a ton of responsibility and not being able to grieve really in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, it, and what kept our family together, like, and so all I saw were those moments that, and all I knew, like, I didn't, I didn't even have words for it at that moment, but I knew that if there were say 5,000 of these, if I could give 5,000 families, the opportunity for those moments, I was in. I didn't know anything about coffee. I didn't know anything about retail. I didn't know anything about how I was gonna do this, but I just wanted to be able to give other families those moments or at the table that we had because I knew how important they were for me. And my mom was like, you're insane. We could like, we could, oh, overstock.com. We'll just, you know, someone will want them. They're mine. And she just looked at me and she's like, oh no, yeah. she's becoming him. Oh no. <laughs> she has an idea. I see it. Um, and you know, and then of course, okay. Okay. Sweet. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was. I, oh, I was, I think I was, I think I was sharing that. Your mom had I, just realized that you were going to start a company with Unimatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was going to try and keep all of the Unimatics and do something with them. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. Oh, I was saying, I realized that like I needed to do something and like add something to the company. So it wasn't, you know, so it, it was, I, I don't want to say make it my own, but like sort of to, to add something to it, to feel like I added value. Um, and mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, all I really wanted and needed at that point, there was this part of me that just wanted to keep my dad at the table with us in some way. And this was my way mm -hmm. of preserving his legacy and that legacy of, I mean, he was adamant about sitting together at the table for meals just because like it was, I mean, and now there's research around families that sit that have dinner together or that sit around the table together and how much healthier they are and better adjusted they are and mentally happy and well they are. Uh, and so, and like essentially how it affects childhood development. And so, mm -hmm. so there, so there was that part, there was the, I just, I needed to preserve his legacy somehow and, and just do something that made me feel like he was still around. Um, mm -hmm. And also to be honest, like to be able to talk about him without being, that weird kid who's talking about her dad who's no longer around. I needed to like nor normalize it somehow. Um, mm. And, and sharing his story felt good and, and realized like, okay, how, you know, I don't, I know nothing about coffee. He always said this coffee pot made the perfect cup of coffee because of the way that it worked. So I didn't know if the coffee mattered. So I dove in and researched coffee and found that technically you're supposed to roast your coffee for the way that you're going to brew it. 
And if you think about coffee culturally, everywhere else in the world, they really only make coffee in one way. Mm. Um, whereas in the US, we have a bazillion ways to make coffee. And we don't ever say, well, this is roasted for this way. This is roasted for this way. But that's why American coffee can be quite bad sometimes. Because, I mean, in Italy, you're, you're roasting, everything you're roasting is for an espresso machine. That's just, that's just how it's made. So everything mm-hmm. is roasted the same way. And it, they know how to extract the most flavor because they know the scientific everything that's going to happen to it from the steam to the heat to the temperature, they know what's going to happen. So they can roast it perfectly for us. Just taking, for example, the variable of time. So if you think about extraction time, like the, the amount of time that the water touches the coffee grounds mm-hmm. and you take all the ways we make coffee. So pour over takes, you know, a minute French pre- uh, air press takes two. French press takes four. drip takes, it depends, but say like eight, um, maybe not even, uh, the unimatic from start to finish takes 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and because of the steam and the water coming up to temperature in the same receptacle, essentially as the coffee, it just, it, it's all a think of it like a little science experiment. So mm-hmm. when you roast your coffee to ready it for the way that it's going to be brewed, you actually can stop some of the bitterness that you get a lot of the time in American coffee. Um, so we, we created a line of coffee um, and, you know, it's roasted for the pneumatic, but of course people make it in whatever they want because that's, you know, that's what our coffee industry here is like. Um, but when you have it in the pneumatic, it's because it's roasted for the way that it's brewed. It's magical, like utterly magical. Um, and Agreed. It, Agreed. I'm, yeah, it's- <laughs> yay. Um, <clears throat> I've tried it in a, in a French press and an American mm-hmm. press and it's still good, but it's mm-hmm. best in the pneumatic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's wild. You can extract different tasting notes. Like there is a best way, like there is a best way to brew at, well roast and brew coffee, but it's, it's interesting that no one else, I mean, granted, I, I get it. People want to sell as you know much coffee as they can and they want to sell as many coffee makers as they can. And, you know, and you don't want to pigeonhole people into, well, you have to use this coffee if you have a favorite or you have to use this coffee maker if you have a favorite. We're the only crazy ones that are like, no, that, that you can do whatever you want, but like, here's how it works best. And we're fine with our market being smaller. We're fine. Like, we're fine with it because we're not yeah. trying to sell bazillions of them. We, we literally want to find these originals, good homes, and then see what happens. Um, and and it was a no one agreed with me everyone thought i was crazy um, <laughs> and and then the other decision was we're not going to sell at stores like we said go to whole foods um because i wanted to know the human coffee i wanted to know their experience i wanted to know how it was tasting that personal touch to mostly create this family around the people that had them and doing that in any kind of mass market way you lose touch and so and again everyone told me i was wrong and crazy and it was never going to work um and i i just didn't care it, it was like this is what feels right this is what i'm going to do maybe it won't work okay and maybe it will and like I just need to follow my gut here. Um, and the coolest part is that now we have Unimatics in, oh my gosh, 50 or 60 countries, I want to say. And oh, wow. I think we're in every state in the US. Sweet. Um, cool. And like, and I get notes from members of our Unimatic family and they tell me that they've named their Unimatic and <laughs> how they use it every day. And one, you know, her name is Nona after her grandmother and one's name is Grace is after his grandmother. And, you know, the family who mm-hmm. adopted Unimatic and, you know, they wanted to expand their weekend ritual with their little son. And then their even younger daughter wanted to help. And now making coffee takes like 30 minutes because all the coffee ends up on the counter because they all want to help put it in. But like it's, it's brought families together and it's, it's, it's given them a reason to spend more time just being together. Um, And I mean, I've even had, and so I guess the, 
the next chapter of this is that I knew that, I mean, my expertise was never coffee. It was people and communication and leadership. Like my thesis in college was on leadership. Um, and, and I knew there was something about this that gathered people. I mean, you talk about connection when, when you want to have a hard conversation, do you go to the boardroom? No, you say, let's go for coffee, right? Like that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and so coffee is this talisman of connection and safety and familiarity. And it, 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 it helps you open up. Um, and so, I mean, because I'm a, a geek that, you know, does things like studies neuroscience, um, I know the inner workings of the brain. And when you're in a space that you feel safe enough to share what's true, that's actually when you can have the best conversations. And also when you get yourself out of the stress response and when you can connect and problem solve and like, that's when you're at your best. And I'll tell you a story about my dad. um, And when all of that kind of started in a second. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but then I started sharing, okay, you know, members of the unimatic family have brave conversations over coffee. Like, here's what that means. Here's what the brave framework is try this, like do this once a week, make that space for the difficult conversations or the conversations that are scary to have. But like just having the space to have those conversations actually takes a lot of the anxiety out of having them because you already know I can do it, you know, on Sunday at two, like Mm -hmm. when the space is there, it makes it easier. And I've literally gotten people saying brave conversations saved our marriage Brave conversations change the way I show up at work. Like I've I've never had a relationship with, you know, my mother because she's a she's a hard individual. And now after learning brave and practicing it, I have a relationship with her. Like we're hanging out, and I never thought this was possible. And it's just it's cool to be able to see now. I mean, after a decade of owning this company, it's cool to see how it started and how I just wanted to preserve my dad's legacy. And now I'm starting to, I'll say write my own, but it's all because of his. And Mm. it just, it's, it's become this really beautiful ecosystem of keeping families together, helping people connect, creating warmth, creating bravery and helping people be their best selves. And I mean, there's a, there's a woman also, um, she saw coffee for all on Netflix and she had just lost her partner and he just tragically didn't, he went to the store and didn't come home. And, and she adopted Unimatic and she shared something about it on Instagram. And, and I mean, and every time I send her coffee, I feel like I'm writing to someone I know because she's going through grief. And she literally was like, I don't know how this is possible, but this little coffee pot sits on my stove and reminds me that I can have coffee with him anytime I want. And just knowing that there are so many people out there that have lost someone that do the same thing I do now that have coffee with them every once in a while, because you can, because, you know, coffee is something that can remind you of your past and keep you in the present and also help you see your future because it's the first thing you do every day. And it's just being able to have that connection with people and remind them of what's possible and everyone is still with you and that, they're okay in this moment is, is the greatest gift I can imagine. That's beautiful. That is cool. That's the, the next step of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so funny with my daughter. I was, we were having a funny conversation the other night about she wants to be a K-pop star and we'll figure out how to do it. But yeah, she was, it. she's joking with me how I know people from all over the world. She's like, how do you have all these connections and stuff? And I was telling her about how, you know, Taekwondo and martial arts and training have always brought me, you know, it's all I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And so everywhere I go in the world, I train with someone and I meet someone. And, and I was trying to, like, how I, I, I taught her social skills from, like, a really early age and how to talk to people and get along with people. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to her the levels of it. And I said, all right, buddy, here's the thing. I started at one. And I got to say seven. <clears throat> I'm taking everything I know and I'm starting you at seven so that you can take it to whatever number you can get to. Yeah. Right? And like, that's like what your dad did with the Unimatic. Like he started at one, mm-hmm. he got you all the way up and then you took that, you, you took the ball from there. Mm-hmm. That's as a parent, it's like the coolest thing. 
That's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're doing the exact same thing. She's so lucky. I Like there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to that. Mm. No, it, there isn't. It's true. Like when I heard the story of your father passing away and then you find in this warehouse, I was like, that is the ultimate dad joke. Your dad, mm-hmm. you had a smile on his face because he knew you were going to find those. And he's like, you're going to start it. I know you don't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, that's what got me. When I watched Coffee for All, I started crying, and I, I teared was up like, as well. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very, that was, very emotional. That was there. it. So I was like, "Oh man, that's that's what you want to be." <laughs> yeah. Oh, that gives me chills, guys. Thank you. Yeah. It, like, I don't know. It, it. I always wonder now. Like, and it's funny. I would obviously give anything for him to still be here, and at the same time, I love that I hear coffee. <laughs> Um, yeah. And at the same time, I just wish he could know me now after this has grown me so much. Oh, yeah. And like it, it was, I mean, it was the ultimate dad joke. It was like, all right, you said you always wanted to start something together. This is your last chance here. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, <laughs> what? I mean, my mom is sitting there calculating, like, how big of a dumpster, are, how much is this going to cost us? Like, how, how big of a dumpster, dumpster are we going to need? Like, can we afford this? Like, what's going on? And I was like, touch nothing. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know. So much of it just feels like perspective. Because, yeah, I could have been in a terrible place and been like, forget it. Get rid of everything. I don't want to look at anything. I don't mm. want to deal, like, you know. But so I don't, have you guys ever heard of, this is one of my favorite things that I've ever learned. There's, you've heard of PTSD. Yeah. So mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress. I, I hate, I think they're stopping using the D. I don't think they're, I think they're stopping saying it's a disorder. It's not a disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but post-traumatic stress happens anytime we go through something hard and hard is relative, right? So it can happen from anything. Um, and they, so two things. One, they found that lack of social support is actually a better predictor is twice as accurate at predicting whether or not you have long-term effects of post-traumatic stress. So like not having people to turn to, to talk to, to support you mm-hmm. is more important than how severe the challenging event was. So it could be a very small traumatic event. And if you have no one to turn to, it'll stay with you for longer than if it was a huge traumatic event, but you had this community and this love to turn toward and you felt like you were supported, you can actually walk away, you know, without long lasting effects of this thing. And it's, it's more about the people around you than it is. And you turning to them than it is about how bad or how hard the thing was. Um, So that's one thing. And the second thing is that there's actually an exact opposite of PTSD that no one talks about. Um, I think people are starting to now, but, I mean, after, after like nine years after I found it, uh, and I didn't find it, it, you know, it's research, but I just mm-hmm. was, I didn't know what else to do. So I was turning to reading everything I could about like, what is going on in me? Like, how does this work? How can I do this better? Um, and a girlfriend actually pointed me to it because she, her degree is in uh, positive psychology. And she actually trained our U.S. military before they went off to war. Wow. And mm. she was like, sweetheart, I need you to start telling people exactly what you did after you lost your dad because your textbook. And I was like, huh, t- uh, textbook what? Like, but what, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and this is one of my best friends and she doesn't, she's such a sweetheart, but she was like stern with me. And she's like, no, you don't understand. You need, you need to share this. And I was like, okay, Kaylee, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and I said, okay, so, so textbook what? Like, explain this to me. And she said, you did everything that that the research says to do after loss, like after a traumatic event. You did all of it. You, because so basically you can let that hard thing hold you back and you can, you know, stay in bed for months. Um, or you can let that hard thing push you forward and give you motivation to do more, to reach higher, to make something of it. Like you can let that hard thing, like it has all the meaning that it has. Like it still sucks, but you can use that as fuel rather than let it be the cage and like the bars that hold you back. 
Mm. Um, and she's like, everything you did was tech. Like it was what I teach the military to do with the hard experiences that they presumably will experience. Um, and you did it without knowing what you were doing. You did it because of those conversations you had over coffee with your dad. And he taught you like what? Well, so one of his mentors was uh, a guy named Norman Vincent Peale, who no one now really knows. Like the, the older generation knows a little bit. He was, I mean, he wrote books in like the forties, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wrote the book on the power of positive thinking. And oh, cool. that, so, and that kind of was a lot of what became positive psychology when we could put an fMRI in our brain and actually see what our brain waves were doing when we were you know, doing and thinking different things. Um, and so positive thinking isn't like, yay, bright and sunny. It's like, no, let me find the growth. It's like the kind of the growth mindset sort of thing. Okay. Um, and so what I sort of realized was it wasn't just the coffee that kept us at the table. It was also the things that he was sharing and the the things that he was teaching me that I didn't realize I was learning, that I sort of just put in my back pocket and was able to pull that card out and play it when I needed to, not even knowing what I was doing. And so I didn't, I didn't like look to the research and say, what do I do now? I just kind of followed what felt right, but I knew enough early on enough that I was able to get through it in a way that was generative and, and, and healthy. Um, of course, I mean, not easy, but at the same time, there, there was something in me that was like, I need to find ways to share this. And so that's a lot of the foundation of brave, of brave conversations as well, like helping people know how, how to do that sort of stuff and get a little bit more used to hearing about it. And so that, you know, if and when something hard does happen, they have kind of this, I don't know, this card to play that's in their back pocket that they might not even realize they have, but they've heard it all before kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dang. So that is sort of, what our podcast is a lot yeah i think very much we had conversations like that over coffee and mike was like we should record this bro <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i'm like okay i don't know how but let's figure it out yeah and then that yeah. was our our sort of support system i like if you listen to early episodes it's just us like you know giving each other therapy from like <laughs> trauma from training basically it's kind of <laughs> yeah funny, but... wait tell me more. <laughs> And um, yeah, like, so we sort of talked ourselves through it of um, the, one of the things we identified on is just like messed up situations we had sort of lived through as far as um, like combat sports go. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. It seems corny, but like it, it is some, it's some interesting stuff. Um, There's a lot of kung fu treachery. A lot of kung fu treachery. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I love this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what the movies say, it's true. <laughs> it's all true. It's all real. Every '80s film was based on reality. I promise. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, very, <laughs> it's very goofy and silly, but it's true. <laughs> but it's our sort of, you know, which between our lives and then our training lives of us working through our post-traumatic stress of that and what we've discovered, and then we're like, oh, we really like coffee. Let's get weird about that. Yeah. And uh, and then the whole um, positive psychology thing and the community thing. Um, have you ever read uh, Lost Connections by Johan Hari? No. All right, 100% just go buy that book. Um, yeah, you'll love it. You'll freaking love it. It's, it's everything you just talked about on how to heal from post-traumatic stress, of that the community is more important than the the, like – the the actual the trauma itself yeah. it's literally all about that that community connection it's very cool oh that's awesome we, should, we uh, did an episode on it actually but um, <laughs> yeah totally oh, i'm excited <clears throat> it was um but yeah that really hit home that that wow oh uh, it's i think it's i don't know i think it's kind of by your father's design ingenious he kind of implanted the entrepreneur mindset for you to like kind of start with something small and then scale it up. Right. But you did so with like a kind of a, a grieving process sort of like you were able to help people help yourself first really. Yeah. And yeah. on a very small scale and now you're growing it up into like what a national and global scale. <laughs> so that's, I think that's really neat. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's something that, I, I mean, we all build what we need most, right? Like there, I don't know, I don't remember where I read that, but it's so true. I mean, we go into the thing that we need, we build the thing that we need. If we're builders, right? Like that's just, it's just what we do. And, and it's interesting how, I mean, this company has, oh my gosh, like, challenged me and and healed me and like it's made me make decisions it's made me find myself it's I mean it's I've had to I've had to create things and I've had to let things fall away like I mean I remember I refused for the longest time to to not use his original logo and I was like no that's what it is I'm not changing it but it didn't work with anything. It didn't like, mm-hmm. I, it didn't work with the pet. It didn't like, we couldn't repackage the coffee. We couldn't, I, I added, so his, his, um, he just called it Unimatic and I added cafe because Italian. Um, yeah. and also nobody would know what Unimatic was, but cafe helps you understand this is a coffee company. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I couldn't, I worked with how many designers and they were like, you can't, you, you gotta get rid of the old font and like the old logo. And for years I had refused. And after a while it was like, wait a minute, he doesn't want me to just be holding on to things like almost like hoarding them, like, you know, with my, with my fists so tight, trying to hold on. He actually wants me to grow and I actually have to open my hands a little bit and let some things go so that better things can come in. Like I need to, I need to iterate on this. Like I need to change it and grow with it because otherwise it's just me death gripping up things Mm -hmm. um and that's not useful and i needed my time to do that and and i did it and then it became very clear to me when that time was over and i needed to grow and do something different um Mm -hmm. but there have been so many cycles of that and and i think that's true in every business i think mine was just more uh, emotional because it was so tied to so many things um Mm -hmm. i still think it's wild that I'll say what he planned for me, which, you know, you can believe that or not, but what he planned for me was in the coffee business. And so his Memorial day, his anniversary is September 30th national coffee day is September 29th. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And so every year I'm like, dad, how did you do that? Dude? Like (laughs) there's a day when there's like all the love and all the community and all this, like, (laughs) There's this day where I'm doing and giving and like our first brave conversation was on national coffee day, like, or our second actually. Um, but like there I'm ushered into the hardest day of the year by this beautiful celebration of building family and community and connection. And it's like, I don't, what, how would you do that? (laughs) He just knew. He knew. He He knew it was up. That's so funny. Wild, totally wild. So uh, it's, it's funny. It reminds me of something my godmother told me once. What? Of um, one day we we're sort of the caretakers of the family. Her and I. You think we're gossiping, but we're actually figuring out how to solve everybody's problems. <laughs> she's sort of the matriarch, and she'll chat with me about everyone's issues and work stuff out. So we're talking about everybody, and and I'm like, do you ever worry about me? Cause we never talk about me like on this one. She's like, I don't worry about you, Michael. She's like, I'm like, why? She's like, cause you like me. No matter what happens, you just keep moving. You keep moving forward. Everything will turn out fine with you. And it's like kind of the conversation you have with your dad. He gave you a structure to move forward. Mm-hmm. And like my godmother very much taught me how to do that without, a, I didn't know, but she mm-hmm. gave me a structure on how to move forward on things and not dwell on stuff. And how to yeah. keep how to keep improving, and it's, it's it's funny to hear someone else kind of say that in a way. Yeah, uh, uh. yeah, that's what that's what the I'll, I'll say leaders of the families ideally can do for us, and you know, all in their own way, and it'll all look different, and no one's will be the same. But like the person that shows us what love means, what support means hopefully there's some piece of that that's like here's here's a version of the roadmap it's not actually a map it's more of a compass i'm going to help you calibrate it so it can keep leading you in the right direction for you i can't tell you which direction to go but like i'll help you calibrate that compass so you can 
keep moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm far enough into parenthood now that I get it, you know. Like my daughter's 12, so I'm, I'm starting to realize, oh, I've been doing these things all this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. A 12-year-old. I'm trying to think of 12. Yeah, she's pretty dope, man. She's stealing all my old clothes now. I'm glad I had all this stuff from the 90s. She's, oh, she loves so it. Cool. It's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. and I, lo- I mean, there's something special about the father-daughter relationship. I mean, there's something special about every, you know, intertwined relationship in a family, but there's something about fathers and daughters, man. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't have words for it. It's sort of a different part of me. There's no yeah. words there. But it is, yeah, we're, we're like, we've been connected from day one, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it is, it's the coolest thing. It's, I, I get to, I'm a stay at home dad. So, you know, I, I got to be with her 24 hours a day until she started going to school. Oh, that's know. so cool. And so, uh, it's uh, we have a we have a very funny relationship of just sort of our own way of talking and the stuff she knows is is hilarious. What she's you know what she's good at compared to other twelve year old girls is really funny. Like what? Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, the funniest one is fighting. All right. So I'm I've done combat sports and martial arts my whole life, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what I know. But I, I'm also I'm also college educated. I'm an exercise physiologist. I started teaching when I was sixteen. You know, I've, I've been, I've been different places in the world. I'm, um, I'm not just a meathead, you know? So, but we would always watch fights together and she was into it as a baby. So I was like, all right, cool. And so she like understands strategy and Uh movement and human psychology. And she can like sit and watch fights with me and like work all this stuff out. And she does the same thing I do where she can watch stuff and copy moves off TV it's so funny because even as like a little kid, man, when she was like three, her le- her Power Ranger playing level was like, oh, it was like elite. She would scare the shit out of yeah. little kids because they'd like, oh man, she oh the funny the That's things you so should do. Great. She 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 straight she straight body slammed a kid once, but she did a Leota Machida takedown. This is a sumo <gasps> takedown that he does, where she just and it wasn't hard or anything. She just got double underhooks and did outside leg sweep and threw him onto Saturn. So we're at the we're at the play place in the mall. And he just bounced off, and he was fine, but it just freaked him out. She's like, "You okay?" Because her idea of playing was very different than other people's idea of playing. Oh my <laughs> and god! She is so funny, but then you know, and so now she loves musical theater and she does jujitsu. And this um, is awesome. It makes a it makes for like a really fun like rounded out you know super spy basically. Yeah. But, oh my uh, god, she's a super spy. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, That's so cool. But you talk about like how your dad gave you confidence with just talking to you. Like I've always mm-hmm. talked to her like a human. I never talked to her like a little kid or like she was dumb yep. or anything. I just talked to her like a person. And yep. we just had experiences together. And I'm just to be real positive with it. And growth mindset was a thing by the time she was born. Mm-hmm. It had actually um Ah, uh, who was that? What's her name? Car- um, Carol Dweck. Yes, Carol Dweck. I was like, Dweck mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that her book had already come out by then. Yeah. And so I kind of formalized the idea. I was like, oh, I do this. Someone figured it out and put it into a book. Sweet. Right. Yeah. And so awesome. I very, I very consciously like tossed growth mindset at her, mm-hmm. even as a baby. And so like, you know, you don't fail. You just learn. It's dad, dude. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it makes homework a lot easier. I'll tell you that. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm so but no, excited is, for. Hmm? I was gonna say it's it's fun to kind of see the other end of this. Yeah. Uh, she's twelve. You're grown, and you're talking about your dad. And I'm like, I see, like, I don't know. It's just me being sentimental, but it's like similarities in the relationship. I'm like, oh man, cool. I think yeah. I'm doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're doing a lot right. Trust me. I mean, I don't have kids yet, um, but I'm. You're doing a lot right. Like, just there's. I, I've. I mean, it's it's one of the sweetest things. But I love when. I mean, especially dads. But sometimes, sometimes it's the daughters that'll that'll reach out. But when people are like, I hope my kid talks about me the way you talk about your dad, 
it's like, and, and of course there are some people that didn't have relationships with their dad or, you know, didn't have some like, you know, and it's different, but there's, there's something that's like, and I want to create this, like, this feels like, uh, like this feels like a, you know, a, a line item on my checklist. Like I, I want to create this for my children or for my grandchildren or for, you know, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just something so special about getting to talk about it because I think, I mean, no one would, we wouldn't have models. Like we can't, we don't have models for what we didn't experience and, or even for what we did experience to see if like that was normal or that was good. Or like, Mm. like you said, I mean, I'm doing all this stuff. I think I'm doing the right thing. That's why I'm doing it. But like to hear you say it, it's like, Oh wait, I am doing something right. It's like, there's something Mm. that is, there's something to be said for, I mean, again, community for sharing and learning by doing and learning by listening and I don't know, helping each other be better. I don't know. feels like a yeah, cool absolutely. gift. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is a, is a good thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, but man, okay. I'm tapped out. Mike, what do you got? I'm a- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, <clears throat> you've created a vehicle for connection through coffee. You've created, um, uh, like you said, you've kind of cemented your father's legacy and you're building on your legacy and then you're growing it into a family so they can build on the legacy. So it's just, I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> you made, you made the Unimatic you. an icebreaker. Yeah. I made the Unimatic an icebreaker. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think the cool part is now, I mean, with Brave Conversations, we like, I go into companies and do it for whole companies, for teams. And so when teams at companies are learning Brave, the cool thing that happens is, I mean, I'm with the company for three to six months usually. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, it's Brave conversations over coffee. So oftentimes like we'll send them coffee. So, you know, if it's more of a bonding experience, but we'll go in for all kinds of reasons. And what's cool is that when you, what I found is that when you learn this stuff at home, it you sometimes have a hard time telling your boss about it, right? Like it's, information about communication and this sort of stuff doesn't really go up that chain. But if you Mm -hmm. learn something at work, you bring it home. And what's amazing is that it's usually like in the beginning of month two, you start to see people change at work. And what's interesting is that yes, work is getting better. Their managers communicating with them better. Their teams communicating better. You know, they're, they're all, they're all communicating better. But the reason why they're changing is because they're taking the brave framework home and they're having brave conversations at home and all the things that were happening at home that were hard, that were holding them back, the things that they couldn't say, the things that they like didn't know how to express, they're starting to. And we're, I mean, we're humans. We can't separate ourselves between work and home. We're all the same. I think we've learned that even more in the last year. But now that there's this vehicle, there's this roadmap for people to follow to address this stuff at home, they learn it at work, they bring it home. And then when they come back to work, they're actually more focused and they're, they start doing better because they're, I'll just use the, I mean, you, you guys get it, but like they're healing stuff, like they're, they're changing things. And when you change it at home, you become a better person everywhere. Cause that's like, that's your foundation. And so it's, it's interesting. I mean, of course you change at work too, but the home stuff is really what starts to unlock more in you. And of course I don't, really tell them that up front, but it's, it's so cool when it starts to happen. It happens every time. And it's like the beginning of month two, you start to see, because it starts to become, you know, a language, like we're, we're essentially learning a new language together. Um, and when you learn to listen bravely and you start watching yourself and becoming more self-aware and doing it and using it, just stuff starts changing. And, and, and it's those moments that I'm like, I, I wish I could have a conversation with my dad like this, this feels cool. We figured out a way to share it in a bigger way. Um, and still, you know, still using coffee, using coffee as this platform to share what I, I truly believe the world needs most, which is essentially gathering around a, you know, maybe virtual table um, and having conversations like he and I did. That's awesome. I, I have like two questions. Okay. Yeah. So one, um, what do you do for people who don't drink coffee? And two, oh. um, there's a book by a dude named Rory Miller called Conflict Communication that I wonder if there's any parallels between your communication format and Brave and that. 
Put them. Okay. I read a lot in case you can't tell. Oh, I love um, it. No, this is great. Okay. Um, so one, uh, if they don't drink coffee, that's fine. I mean, we, we, and every company doesn't even want to do it because their people are sometimes global. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll send coffee to people or not. Like it, it's the coffee is more of like when you, when you need to have a hard conversation with someone on your team, how many times have you said, let's go to the boardroom? Yeah. None. It's, right. Okay. Like exactly yeah. none. Yeah. But you say, let's go for coffee. So like, that's why this is over coffee. We can send it to you or not, but like, it's more of my journey. The coffee is if you drink tea, I'm going to honor that. I'm not going to force coffee on you. Um, <laughs> okay. It's more of like, find, find that cozy beverage or that thing that makes you feel safe. And we're gathering around that thing. Um, and as for Rory Miller, I don't think I know that one. Um, a lot of, communication frameworks. I mean, they're all great. Find one that you like and use it. Um, the difference in brave is it's more about the listening than it is about how to say things like nonviolent communication is more about how to ask for what you need in a way that's not offensive and makes people defensive. Um, and it's great, but it doesn't really employ the empathy piece that I think is super important. I mean, Brave Conversations was created to help us see each other's humanness. I, I mean, it was made, our first conversation was 9-11 survivors, first responders, the Muslim community and students. And so it was, it's, it's hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's made to bring people together that have different beliefs um, and it's made to get to the underlying humanness that we all share because at the end of the day, we all want the same stuff. It just looks different based on our experiences. And so we need to get below that surface level of I'm right. So you must be wrong. And so I must not like you. It's like, no, actually like, let's get below that. Like, what are your hopes? What are your fears? You know? And like, let's have a real conversation about like, let me get curious about you rather than write you off. Tell me more. Like it's an honor that you're sharing this with me tell me more about what made you feel that way. And what you end up finding every single time is they went through something hard and they either don't want it to happen to their family or they're holding on to something that feels like certainty or, you know, whatever it is, you need to be able to have a more vulnerable conversation to do it. And a lot of frameworks focus on the conversation part, which is important, but I Everyone says like, oh, you're like the Brene Brown of coffee, which I love. Um, <laughs> and also, I don't like I'm not asking anybody to be vulnerable. What we're doing is learning how to create a space where the people around you feel safe enough to share something vulnerable if they choose to. Everybody doesn't have to share. You're more than welcome to pass in a brave conversation. Like, I'm not going to tell you to do anything. And you're not going to ask anybody to be vulnerable because you can't control them. All you can mm-hmm. control is how you listen and how you make them feel by judging them or by not judging them. And so that's what we practice. And we practice it over and over and over again so that when you're up against, you know, someone sharing something vulnerable that is really hard for you to hold without getting defensive or shutting down, if you can kind of take yourself back to that brave conversation and say, okay, what do I do next? You can actually respond in a better way. I mean, I like I'm saying this because I have done it. I have used it. And my relationships have changed. Like the patterns that we all have are like, this stuff isn't intuitive. Like for some reason we're not taught brain science when we're in grade school, which we should be because we'd be so much better at life. Like the two things we're not taught how to do are finances and relationships. And those are the two Mm -hmm. biggest causes of stress and the two biggest causes of divorce and misery Mm -hmm. in the world. Right. So like, it's wild that we don't touch on this stuff. Um, so it's a long way to say it's much more about listening than it is about how to share. And and some, some books uh, go through that and some don't. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people that are like, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 30 years. You can have that hard conversation because I'm in the room and I'm really good at facilitating it. And that's beautiful. Like, great. I love it. And I really want like brave can stand on its own. Like, you don't really need me to be in the room and there's, there's more to come with brave, but I want this to be something that like the inner city kid can use and the CEO can use and the middle, middle level manager and the stay at home dad or mom, like 
I, I, I want everyone to have access to it because it can change things. Um, so it's, it's not about me or how much experience I have. Like the, I'm irrelevant. The brave framework can, it just gives you a roadmap for how to have the conversations that hold you back. So I think that's vastly important anymore just because like there's so many like leadership framework yeah. consulting things that are so focused on how you talk, how you communicate, how you yeah. do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and close to none of it touches on listening. <laughs> and so I think I've, I've been a part of like, you know, X, Y, and Z leadership communication course. And it's always just about talking, 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 how you're presenting this, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Very yeah. little to do with empathy and listening. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's going to be like what stands out and is obviously making it work and shove it forward and stuff. That's just what resonates with me personally. So <laughs> it's, it's important. I mean, I, so, and I had never seen anything that, you know, I've done a ton of reading and I had never seen anything that actually used it. So you build what you need. It was right? tremendous talking to you. Thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you. You guys are awesome and you're sharing so much goodness with the world. Like just, just you guys talking about your own stuff and your kids and your mindset. Like I just thank you for doing what you do. We need more of you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And if we can do this again, that would be phenomenal. Absolutely. All right. All right, cool. Well, I'll see you later then. Oh, perfect. Yep. Have a good rest of your day. All right. Uh, All righty. Thank you, guys. Have an awesome day. All right. All right. Well, that's it, man. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Keep your coffee regular. Peace in.